Hello and welcome to another episode of The Hooligan Report. I'm your host as always, SM, and I'm joined tonight by Cookson. Uh, coming soon, one matter presents poetry. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also joined by Tradespert. Howdy, lads. Um, we've got a big show to get through. We've got some reviews from the Premier League last weekend before we look uh, look to the Champions League results from the midweek. Um, and then we'll look ahead to next week's Premier League games. But we'll get started by looking at last weekend's Premier League games. And there was a big game to kick off the weekend, and it'll be a big game to kick off this show, uh, which was the Manchester derby. So I'll start with you, Cookson, because your side was involved in the derby uh, on the receiving end of a 2-1 loss to Manchester City. But... How did you see the game, and and how do you see um, that result affecting Jose Mourinho? I don't see the... uh, I see it affecting him in the second half, because he introduced the third midfielder, and we look 100% better, as well as also getting on wingers who actually were, well, visible and useful. They were very very attacking changes that he made. (laughs) Which is good, but I thought he wouldn't have been as as bold with his substitutes as he was. Which was good to see that he he was quite attacking with his substitutes. It's he needed to be, but we were also attacking in the first half. But there was just no flow or fluidity to the team. I mean, Mkhitaryan and Lingard had the worst halves you could ever see why, from two players. Why do you think that they started the game? Because um, firstly, Mkhitaryan obviously was injured on international duty and was in doubt for the game, let alone a doubt to start. Um, and then in terms of Lingard starting, I mean, if you're going to start one of your young English players, surely the guy that scored a hat-trick for the under-21s is more likely to start the game than, than Lingard, who um, doesn't really seem to have shown anything that really, you know, motivated Mourinho to start him in the game? I would assume it's because those two players, like Mkhitaryan and Lingard, had have pretty good work rate, equally good at attacking, as well as being able to help back and defend, but they just weren't there. Mkhitaryan, he just looked lazy, and Lingard just had a shocker. But I haven't seen a lot of Mkhitaryan, sorry, myself. But isn't he more of a, a number 10 playing behind the striker in the role that Rooney was almost playing rather than, than being used on a wing? He can play on the right as well as on a number 10. Yeah. But what did you make of um, kind of how we play for, your, for the first Man City goal? Um, Blind seemed to sort of hesitate in terms of closing down De Bruyne uh, with that pass. Did you sort of see him as that weak link for the first goal in particular? And do you think maybe Smalling will start for the next game? No, I can't really blame Blind on that because, yeah, you could argue he was caught off guard, but you would also say, you would assume that the guys in front would be able to do at least a half-assed press because you just watch back, Bravo had all the time in the world or automatically and he all the time in the world to pick the pass. And if Mkhitaryan did a, even a half-ass press, the goal probably doesn't even happen. Speaking of Bravo, so, um, that, that tackle on Rooney to clear the ball, I mean, I know there's been a bit of debate on the board, and Boyan in particular has been pretty vocal in, in suggesting that should have been a penalty. Um, I'll get your take of it, of it, and then I'll ask Tradesbird as well. Um, did you see that as... as a definite penalty? Did you see it as something that maybe should have been given, or, or what was your view of it? 
penalty and a red card. He just well, he had no control over yellow card, but yeah, he had no control of the tackle. Both studs were up. I mean, people oh, say, "Oh, he, he got the ball." Catch, did he catch Rooney with his studs though? Yeah, he did a bit. Oh. Okay. It's just yeah. If Rooney, I'll put it. If the ball, if he didn't get the ball, Rooney would probably be in hospital with like a broken ankle or something. What was your so, view yeah, of I was. I was watching it in a room full of United supporters, so they may have... <laughs> they might have erupted they, they, at that. Yeah, um, but to be honest, when you... I, like, he, he, I thought he got the ball, or he did, but I thought when you go into a challenge like that, it's extremely dangerous. Yeah. And as Cookie said, if he hadn't have made contact with the ball, what would have actually happened to Rooney? So... Yeah, I, I think you can't go. You can't go throwing yourself around like that because if if you make contact with somebody, that's that's a broken leg. I I can agree from that point of view. I can agree that it's probably reckless in the sense that the way he throws himself into the tackle, if he doesn't, as we're saying, basically, if he doesn't make contact with the ball, he's making contact with Rooney, and Rooney can get seriously injured. But I think the thing that does save him is the fact that he does make contact with the ball, and. If you look at the replays, he does seem to come in where he's sort of in that kicking motion towards the ball where he's not showing studs at Rooney. He's actually kind of side-footing the ball. Um, I, I I don't know. Like, it, it's a really tough one, and, and different angles show it, show it in a different way. But I I kind of lean towards the fact... I, I lean towards saying that the ref made the right decision on that one. But I think if he doesn't take the ball, I'm I'm 100% agreeing that he, it is a definite penalty. And I guess with today's interpretation of the rules, it's it's a yellow card, not a red card. Um, uh, though though that is a good point. I don't know when it becomes a red card because I know that they don't want to give a red card to sort of make it a triple jeopardy where the player's getting sent off, they're getting a penalty, and the player's suspended. But I think they're not giving the red in the situation where. Um, Previously, they would have said it's denying a goal-scoring opportunity because it's actually not denying a goal-scoring opportunity because of the penalty. Um, but I don't know in terms of a dangerous tackle like that whether it would still be a red card. But um, uh, United did manage to get a goal through Ibrahimovic. Um, I haven't had a chance to ask you before, Cookie, because you haven't been on so far this season. But what have you made of Ibra's start in general? And then what have you also made of his impact in the Manchester derby? It's been pretty good for us so far. He's, well, been big, been physical, makes defenders shit themselves. <laughs> he's also got pretty good. Yep. <laughs> well, he's also got pretty good skills. He's added a new dimension. I mean, yeah, he's been pretty good for us. And in regards to the derby, he was good, but he should have been better. I mean, he probably should have gotten a goal on half right before half time. Is that a concern that that he he's adding goals but he's not really impacting games beyond those moments? Uh, well, you watched United last year. We lacked goals in those moments, so it's probably added enough. But we're not paying him really the press. We're paying him just to score goals, put in the back of the net, and he's done that, which is always good. Trades. He's never been. He's, uh, yeah. So I was going to say he's, he's never overly been 
renowned for his work rate or his pressure off the ball or his movement or any of that sort of stuff. He kicks goals, scores goals. He's a big man. He's, he's a marquee player as well as a marquee man. And I think that that is important in some respects as well. But, yeah, no, I, I think he's, you, you, can't fault, you can't fault his goal-scoring record. As Cookie said, he's, he's there to score goals, and that's what he's done. So, And we've got we to gotta remember, too, he's never played in the Premier League before. So has any other signing made more of an impact than him so far? Probably not. Um, yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, speaking of sides that love their marquee players, we'll move on then and talk about um, Liverpool in their 4-1 demolition of Leicester. Um, there's two sides to this game. Obviously, Liverpool with a really impressive result. And I'll ask you first, Trades, but do you think Liverpool can sort of maintain this form? And I mean, obviously, we've seen they've lost to Burnley earlier in the season. Um, do you think that they can kind of um, batten down those inconsistencies and really make a push for the top four? I think it all comes from the back line. If they can get a really solid defensive unit and flow and, and it takes a whole team you need your wing like I know they do like to play a really attacking brand of football and as as a neutral it, it, it they really are a good team to watch but if they can get their backline sorted I think they will be able to get some consistency going forward um, Klopp had Dortmund pretty well like a very consistent side for numerous seasons. I think there's a lot of up-and-down players on Liverpool's list, but I don't see why they can't get some consistency going. And to score four goals against the champions of last season, if you kick four goals every single week, you're not going to lose many games of football. Cookie, do you see Leicester as any danger of being relegated? No, not really. They're probably still coming from the highs of last year. And let's be honest, there are worse clubs than Leicester. What they need to do is just consolidate, just revert back to their mean, try to get top 10 finish. I also thought they had a bit of an eye midweek, their first Champions League game. I sort of had a little feeling that almost that was a bigger thing to them than what it was on Saturday night. Well, trades, but I'll ask you: Did you do you reckon um, this um, title win last season plus Champions League this season with this congestion of fixtures might make them a bit vulnerable to, um, if not relegation, a lower place finish because um, they're almost sort of trying to run before they walk in the sense of they've brought in these players who might sort of disrupt the style that they had going for them last season. And you've seen, we've seen before with sides in the Premier League where they bring in these um, top-line supposed players who aren't up for that sort of fight and that when it comes to it and if they're the bo- you know if they're in the bottom 10 come the new year if they're suddenly in a relegation fight these players suddenly go missing yeah well we sort of seen with um, Newcastle like they, they ha- sorry Newcastle last season they had really good individuals but when teams do drop down the performance and the confidence of those individuals that were good also comes down a lot too um, I, I don't think they'll be need to worry about relegation or anything okay. like that. I, I think they will drop back to, to mid-table. And 
it is a big drop to go from first to in the middle of the table. <laughs> um, but in saying that... Chelsea Chelsea had a bit of a tough time with that last season. Exactly. <laughs> and and when Moyes took over at United in his first season, United seen the same thing too. So they wouldn't be the first team to struggle after a title win. Um, Cookie, that's a good time to bring you back in. Um, what was your opinion of Liverpool out of that game and do you see them sort of pressing for a top four finish or are they sort of one of those other sides in the mix for the top six, top seven sort of position? The way I see it, there are going to be three clubs fighting for the title, Chelsea, City and United. Agreed. And there's going to be a, like four clubs underneath them going for that last spot in UEFA sports. It would probably be Arsenal... Liverpool, Everton, maybe West Ham. Tottenham? Tottenham too, but uh, they could blow up at any moment. Yeah. I, I think oh, West, but, West Ham are in more danger of blowing up than Spurs at the moment. Yeah. It's still early season, though. It's just hard to tell, but... Liverpool's defence is still pretty average, and... They're still really going for the old Brendan Rodgers routine of you score off, you score three, we'll score four, but that will not win you a title, and it'll be doubtful to get you top four, so I don't think they are. I think they need to sort out their defence. Well, one of those sides that you've mentioned that might be challenging for the top four or the top six is Everton, and they had a pretty successful away win against Sunderland. Um, I'll start with you, Tradespert, and it must have been really good to watch your side dismantle Sunderland so successfully and, and obviously also to see Lukaku scoring um, a hat-trick which breaks a pretty long goal drought for him. Yes, that was it was a fantastic win. I was I was very happy. It was a David Moyes team as well. Which, I, don't think, um, I don't think David Moyes has managed to score a goal against Everton in his entire managerial career, unless we're counting own goals, of course. <laughs> no, I... I, I Going, going down my memory bank, I think you're actually right, because we bet them twice in his debut season, and then we 3-0 then. Um, yeah, no, I was, I was very, very happy. Uh, that's also three games in a row with a clean sheet. That was almost unheard of over the last three years. So, um, <laughs> it was, yeah, I don't want to get too far ahead of us, because, like, our last three victories have been against... Um, Obviously, Sunderland, then Stoke City the game before, and West Brom the game before that. So I don't think we have earned the right to be talked up in the big, big teams yet. But all you can do is beat the sides that are put in front of us, and that's what we've been doing. Um, it was awesome to see Lukaku get back back into the for, some form. It's the best game I've seen. Well, he's been average for the back end of last season and so far this year. But, um, yeah, it was wonderful to see him back to his best. 11-minute hat-trick is impressive for anybody. Cookson, uh, do you think Moyes can turn Sunderland around, or are you a bit concerned by his... Well, concern's probably the wrong word, because we're all hoping that Sunderland get relegated. But are you um, interested by his comments, <clears throat> especially after the first week where he said that Sunderland were definitely in for a relegation battle? It's what he does. He lowers expectations, <laughs> makes everything sound bad and all that, but they're screwed. Moyes is a terrible manager. <laughs> You'd know from but, first-hand experience, wouldn't you? But I also have first-hand experience, and I, I, also, I do rate Moyes. I, 
I don't like him personally after everything that's happened. But I, I think if there was a man to turn Sunderland around, I would have Moyes up there at the top of the list. Because like, he, he's got a plenty of Premier League experience. When he first came to Everton, we were in no different of a position than what Sunderland are in right now. And he got us back up there. I think it takes time to submit your print on a team. Um, give him some time, and I think they'll dodge. I think they'll dodge relegation again. Somehow. Yeah, but he managed the United. But that was pre being at United and pre getting humiliated in Spain. <laughs> so I think he's lost it. To be honest, I think Moyes is lucky that uh, Newcastle aren't in the league where he could say to the Sunderland players, "Well, if you just play like Colaccini, if you just play like." Um, Ryan Taylor or whoever else is at Newcastle, um, he, he's lucky that, that the Sunderland players aren't going to get compared to their rivals, as I think happened to a couple of the United players, Cookie. Oh, yeah, that really went down with a treat with Leo <laughs> Ferdinand, Nemanja um, Well, we'll move on then and, and chat about the other fixtures from the weekend with um, some... Uh, potentially um, stock standard results. I mean, Arsenal managed a 2-1 win over Southampton courtesy of a late penalty. Um, do we Do we think... I mean, we talked about this last week on the podcast, but we've had quite a number of penalties given in the Premier League over the first four, four weeks of the season. And, and this one for Giroud in the last minute of the game was a pretty um, soft penalty, I think you'd say, by any standards. Do we think that the, the refs are sort of looking for penalties at the moment in the Premier League? Um, Transport? Um, it seems to be like this in any league, even any code. At the start of the season, the refs just love to stand their authority, especially if there's been a, a rule change or something like that, and they, they're just so, so, so hot on it. And players have to be extremely careful, especially when they're in the box so early in the season, because if the ref is half confident on a call they generally make it at this stage in the season. So you, you're almost inviting an opportunity for a penalty when you try and make those sort of challenges. And, yeah, I, I, I think that the penalties will ease up as the season goes on. Bournemouth also it just managed... always seems to happen that way. Yeah. Bournemouth also managed a 1-0 win against West Brom, courtesy of a uh, Callum Wilson goal, which was great to see on his um, comeback trail from his ACL injury, which kind of ended a goal drought for him as well, which was great for him personally and also great for Bournemouth. Um, not so good for West Brom, who um, are continuing a pretty mediocre start to the season under Pulis. Um, Burnley drew 1-1 with Hull, um, which was a great result for my boys because... Well, great result in the sense that we always seem to lose whenever we go to Turf Moor. It's always a 1-0 result to Burnley. Um, despite dominating chances, possession, passes, every statistic on the board, shots on target, shots on goal, etc., etc., uh, except for goals, um, we conceded one late to Burnley through a pretty wonder strike from DeFore to make it 1-0. Um, but then going against the script, Snodgrass managed to an absolutely brilliant free kick uh, in literally the last play of the game. Um, and he's had some sort of start to the season. I think he's now scored six goals for club and country in the last six games, um, courtesy of his hat-trick for Scotland, as well as scoring the winner against Leicester on the opening day and, and now this free kick, meaning he's now earned us, I think, three points uh, from our opening four games. Um, Palace won 2-1 away to Borough courtesy of a Benteke goal and also 
Uh, who scored the winner in that one? Um, it was... Do either of you know who won, who scored the winner in that one? I can't remember off the top of my head. It was a player. It was a Crystal Palace player, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a, it was a very memorable player who, who managed to score the winner in that one for, for Crystal Palace. Um, I know Daniel Ayala scored the uh, goal for Middlesbrough, which was a very impressive header from him. Um, but that nameless Palace player will remain nameless. Um, Spurs managed a 4-0 win against Stoke. Cookie, do you reckon Stoke are in danger of going down this season? Uh, I'd say yes. I'm in one point from the first four games. I mean, they're going to need to get more Barcelona players in order to <laughs> save this. What did you make of uh, Mark Hughes getting sent to the stand? Do you see him uh, in in any sort of pressure for his job? And usually how it goes, if they're usually terrible, they will get sacked by December, so... I mean, He's going to be under pressure very soon. Stoke have spent a, a decent amount of money over the last couple of seasons. I suspect their owners would be pretty um, anxious about staying in the Premier League for this season. So uh, you'd hope that their form turns around pretty soon for, for Hughes' sake. Um, West Ham had one of the more interesting results of the weekend going down 4-2 to Watford. Uh, from 2-0 up to to fuck it up, so to speak. 4-2 uh, <laughs> to Watford. Um Capoose now scored three goals in his first four games. Straightspurt. Um, that is we, unreal. We all, we, we all sort of kind of criticised Watford for sacking their manager at the start of the season, and they've brought in Mazzari, who's been a, um, a a target of a bit of comment on this podcast before now. But he seems to have certainly got Watford going. Yeah, no, they've, they've had quite an impressive start to start to the season. Well. What, is that their fourth? Oh well, it's their first. Was it their first win of the season? Might have been their first win, but I th- yeah, yeah. I, I think it was only their first win. But it's not like they got it. They they, they had a draw against Southampton on the first game of the yeah, season, and then they got very unlucky against Chelsea in their second game. They were pretty disappointed. I think Arsenal. Then they had the that was third the game week. Yes, but they, they, were, they were more they were more impressive in the second half of that game. But yeah, very disappointing in the first half of the game. Yeah, and then to to come from two 0 down is is really really impressive. Um, obviously, that takes a lot of really really good motivation from a manager to be able to to motivate you guys to be down in the dumps, especially after seeing that uh, Rabona cross from Payet. Oh, that, that was, was very filthy. sexy. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That was unreal. And, um, yeah, to, to get four goals from that point in the game, you got to take your hat off to them. So, well done to Watford on a very, very solid performance. Um, I think Cook, they should be... They, yeah. I think Watford should be thanking Burian. He, he saved the day. He showed up with a, like, picture of Paul Pogba saying, do it for Poggles, and they did it for him. Well, well, Cookie, are you, are you a bit concerned for West Ham that um, they've obviously had a pretty slow start to the season? I think they're... Seventeenth uh, on the table. There's been fighting in the stands, which I'm sure Boyan was instigating. Um, what do you make of their start at the new stadium and and, and life under Billich in this season? Uh, they've probably not started how. Well, they've probably nowhere near started as they expected to. They're a good side. I expect them to lift. They do probably. have a heap of injuries. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I mean, and last season, last, last season they were poor while Pyatt was out of the side, but he's in the side now, and they're they're still equally as poor as they were at the start of the season. Mm. They've faced what Chelsea. Yeah, uh, they've had they've had a couple of tough fixtures, they've, but they've had, you'd be expecting they've played, them to put Watford away. City, they played City as well. Yeah, Sydney, Chelsea, um, and Bor- Watford, Bournemouth. and Bournemouth. Yeah. So it's probably kind of expected for them to be this bad, to have bad starts, but I expect them to lift. Um, Chelsea also drew 2-2 away to Swansea. Um, the Leroy Fur goal to put Swansea ahead is a bit of a controversial talking point because of the fact that it looks like he pretty much fouled Gary Cahill in the build-up. Um, but Diego Costa, who scored the equaliser, could have potentially been sent off before his goal. Um there's a few controversial points out of that game. Do we kind of see that draw as a fair result, given everything that kind of went on, Cookson? Yeah, I'd say it's a fair result. Maybe Costa being sent off because he's a campaigner, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoy the self awesome goal, though. Yes, I was. It was a very, it uh. was a very well-taken goal, and, and, and it's interesting. I mean, I've seen a bit of discussion about that, and um, most of the... Um, refereeing fraternity is sort of suggesting that in fact bicycle kicks as long as you make contact with the ball bicycle kick goals should be allowed and actually looking at that Cameron Jerome goal from last season which was disallowed that was actually the incorrect call rather than the Koscielny and Diego Costa goals being the incorrect calls for this season so um, it's great to see bicycle kick sort of goals and, and hopefully they sort of continue so long as they're you know not kicking the opposition players head in agreed um we'll look ahead now to some of the european fixtures from this week and we've had the champions league kick off in in um, a bit of style this week we've had a few pretty big results um barcelona belting celtic 7-0 um what do we make of celtic out of that game i mean brendan rogers had them fit and firing against Rangers on the weekend in the old firm derby, but going to Barcelona and losing 7-0, I mean, do Celtic have much to play for other than the Champions League? Well, winning the old firm derby, that's just as bad as big as it comes for for them, which is what they probably thrown everything at on Saturday with a very impressive win, but yeah, they, they were just absolutely demolished. Admittedly, I didn't watch any of the Champions League games last night. But, yeah, that's disgraceful to lose 7-0. I don't care who you are or who you're playing. You don't want to go into a, a Champions League game and lose that much. Um, they got spanked. Rogers cannot set up a defence to save his life. Um, and a manager who can't seem to set up an attack to save his life is Arsene Wenger, who started the game against PSG with no recognised striker. He started with Sanchez as the striker, and I, I know a certain poster on the board would argue that Sanchez is a terrible option as a striker, and um, I, know, I know Wenger would have preferred to have Jamie Vardy in his squad to pick ahead of Sanchez, but he, he went with Sanchez instead. Um, and when Olivier Giroud came on around the 70-minute mark, he still managed to get himself a red card. Um, do we see the 1-1 result for Arsenal as actually a pretty decent result, given everything that Wenger took into that match? 100%. Paris Saint-Germain will be right up there at the end of the, the Champions League. They they probably try and 
make the final or contest for the win every single year, even though they haven't made it that far in the modern history of the clubs. So to go over to Paris and draw 1-1, I think that's a, that's a good result for Arsenal. We know how this is going to end up. Arsenal will get out of the group stages, either face Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, or Dortmund, then they'll lose. It's We've talked about this so many times. It's a good result, but it's going to end exactly the same way. As a newbie to the Champions League, I mean, it was. I mean, from my perspective, I was expecting Leicester to lose to Bruges over in um, Belgium, but they managed to come away from it with a 3 0 win. Um, how do we see Leicester's chances of progressing in the Champions League? I mean, no one obviously realistically expects them to win the Champions League, but no one realistically expected them to win the Premier League last season. So do we see them making much of a dent on the competition or do we see them getting knocked out in the elimination stages? They, they should make it out of their group stage. I think they've got quite a generous quite a generous group in saying that there's no such thing as an easy Champions League group. But um, I, I'd be sh- they, they'll make it out of their, their group, no real worries, I would imagine. But... Um, I wouldn't expect them to make it much further than that. And that's okay. Yeah, I mean, their group's pretty easy. I mean, Bruges, Copenhagen. Yeah, yeah, Porto. Really that. Porto, they're a shadow of a club they once were. So I expect them to get through the groups, but it really depends on who's runner-up in a group because they could potentially face a team like Arsenal or PSG. I mean, Benfica, Napoli... Barcelona, Man City. So, yeah, or they can face a club like Atletico Madrid. So, it's kind of interesting. Well, Spurs also, uh, from an English point of view, were pretty disappointing. They lost uh, 2-1 at home to Monaco um, at the Wembley Stadium. Uh, I think Pochettino, before the match, was actually saying that they were the biggest club in England, uh, which was an interesting comment, given that they couldn't even make the top two last season. But um, in a similar way to West Ham, they seem to be struggling with um, a game away from their natural home ground. So do we see them struggling to get out of their group? They do have quite an easier group, I still think, for a Champions League group. Like They've got Leverkusen, CSKA, Moscow and Monaco. I would still expect them to get out of there. I just think they started really poorly last night. They conceded two goals in the first half an hour. Weren't ready to go when the whistle started. And, yeah, they got one back just before half-time. And, yeah, that was the, that was about all they did. Kudos to their fans, though. I thought 80,000 people they had at the game for a midweek fixture. Even, yes, it was at Wembley. But I think that's a that's a wonderful turnout for them. I will say Spurs are not even the biggest club in their own goddamn area of London, so <laughs> let's start small there, and I, I think Spurs will not get out of the group. Big call. The trip to CSK and Moscow, that's a hard trip. It's a hard trip I, for all the teams in the group, though. Yeah, I don't care which team you are, but still. And Monaco, I reckon Monaco will get past them. Um, Monaco and Leverkusen, you reckon? Well, Leverkusen and Tottenham are kind of two clubs of the same ilk because they never really finished first, so they'll probably draw nil all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one team that looks pretty certain to get out of their group is City, who managed to beat Moch and Gladbach 4 nil. Um, a team that Pep has traditionally struggled against. Um, 
courtesy of an Aguero hat-trick and then Ian Archer with a late goal, just how impressive is City looking and how far can they go in the Champions League? Uh, I don't think... I just don't think City will be able to win Champions League. But how, do you say they're making maybe the semi-finals? The semi-finals, of course. It's just despite how good Pep is... Usually when he faces certain teams, he does get exposed. I mean, but Real Madrid it, it, have exposed him, Barca have, so... I think I think he's got a, one of the best rosters going around in the Champions League. It'd it easily be in the top half a dozen teams in all of Europe. He's a tactical mastermind. And I, I think he can make the quarters. No it's real just, worry. With Bravo also being a bit shaky, I reckon they're going to be exposed. He did look terrible on Saturday night, but you, you, you got to give him a chance, I suppose. But he'll need to improve a hell of a lot off that first game against United. It's just you look at, like, he Pep had, what, Barca, Bayern Munich? And they had a better roster and... He still failed at the Champions League goals at Bayern Munich. I mean, because he got destroyed by a Spanish side, so I reckon that'll happen again. Well, speaking of uh, Manchester United, they face Feyenoord in the Europa League uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, Cookie, how do you see your chances in that one, given the fact that Mourinho has basically said it's a competition he doesn't want to be in? Well, that's what everyone really says, really. It's kind of like, yeah, he's runner-up Euro- European champion stuff with a long competition. But I expect us to win this game. Away from home to Feyenoord? Well, Wayne Rooney's not playing, so... <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't get this whole disrespect to the Europa League. Like, I know, obviously, being an Everton supporter, like, that would be the Holy Grail just about at the moment for Everton. But I don't get this whole disrespect to the Europa League. Like, what, is it almost that if you win the Europa League, that means that you weren't in the Champions League? Like, why does he not want to go out and win win the Europa League? Probably because it's, it's played on a bad day for the teams. Yeah. And it, it, and it does go on and on forever. Yeah. I think... I think there's a couple extra groups in the Europa League than the Champions it, League. Uh, yeah, there's an extra knockout stage, but, I think. Yeah, yeah, there's one There's one more knockout stage after the group stages, I believe. But yeah. I, I think I think it's a little bit of a, oh, we're too good for the Champions League attitude from Jose. And I personally don't like it. I think if you're in a competition, you should go and win it. Try and win it. Well, that's probably going to be the goal. We are going to try and win it. But we're saying we are disappointed to be in it because we failed to reach top four. And that's it's okay. normal. Yeah, and it's the only trophy where United haven't won. So there you go, finish off all it's, the European trophies. Some motivation players. This is well, yeah, we have a pretty fun group, I'd say, with Fenerbahce and a random Ukrainian team.
Well, we'll move on then, and uh, we'll, we'll start previewing um, the games for the next week. And we've got a Friday night game, which is pretty rare in the Premier League, and we've got Chelsea up against Liverpool. Um, Chelsea at home for this one, but Liverpool managed some pretty decent results against Chelsea last season. Um, I'll start with you, Cooks, and how, how do you see this game panning out? Chelsea 2-0. Get the Slippy G avatars out. <laughs> How do you see it, Tradesport? Uh I think the defensive unit that Conte has got Chelsea currently in um, will be very hard for even a Liverpool offence to break down, and I think they will win it 1-0 or we'll get a ball draw. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one to predict because I think Liverpool can be pretty much anything on their day. If if the players turn up and can actually perform, I reckon they could actually get a result in this one. But it's hard to see them backing up from that 4-1 win with another great performance. So I do tend to think that Chelsea might win it, but I think they'd have to rely on Costa and Hazard firing. So um, I, I do think it could be a draw. It could be a 1-1 draw in this one, I think. Think, just sort of like that Spurs game that they had a few weeks ago with a bit of momentum going one way in the first half and then going the other way in the second half. <clears throat> As the SBS game on the Saturday night, we've got Hull up against Arsenal at home for Hull, where we haven't actually managed to beat Arsenal at the KCOM in its existence as our home ground. Um, it's an interesting one. I mean, I was speaking to Cruyff about it on the board the other day, and, and he was sort of suggesting that if we set up for a draw, back our players into a wall behind the ball, um, that Arsenal will struggle to break us down, and we might actually come away from it with a point. Um, it's a really interesting one, because I'm not sure how Phelan will line us up, and whether he'll go for that sort of tactic like he did against United, or whether he'll um, perhaps go for a more... Uh, pacey counter-attacking sort of play with a few more players uh, coming into the lineup that we've that we've managed to sign on deadline day. Um, now that we've got those options, um, it'll it'll be a really interesting one. And, and I'm I'm probably still suggesting that Arsenal will win that one, maybe two two nil. Um, I'm struggling to see where we'll get a goal from, maybe from Snodgrass from a free kick or something like that, or maybe Hernandez, but um, it's a hard one to see us getting a point out of, let alone three points, but uh, it's hard to be too pessimistic at the moment, given the way that we've started the season. Um, Cookson, I'll ask you about the Leicester and Burnley game, Um, the former champions who have sort of struggled to a start to the season. Um, do you see Leicester at home getting being too much for Burnley? Yeah, I probably do. I'll go for Leicester uh, 2-1. Their attack was suddenly jalabit. Um, Tradespert, we've then got United up against... Uh, sorry, not United. Manchester City against <laughs> Bournemouth uh, at home in that one. I mean, Guardiola's got them off to such an amazing start at the moment and Bournemouth really struggling to start the season... Uh, do we see that sort of continuing at the Etihad and, and City kind of cruising in that one? Yeah, it's, it's almost impossible to go against a team that's won all of their games against a team that's only won one game. <laughs> um, yeah, City, City should do it in cruise control without being too disrespectful to Bournemouth. What sort of score do you do you reckon it will get? Oh, sorry. Sorry, I would predict... Uh, I don't think it'll be complete embarrassment 
but two or three to nil, I would imagine. Pep uh, disappointed that the stadium's still not full, though. <laughs> kudos, kudos to him for actually saying that, though. Yeah, not too bad. Um, Cooks, and we've then well, got West Brom at home to West Ham. Um, the, the Battle of the Westies, really. But um, do we see West Ham sort of picking up some of the slack that they've kind of let out this season so far and, and getting the win over West Brom? Or do we think Pulis can kind of grind out either a nil-nil draw or, or a one-nil sort of win for West Brom at home? I'm going to go West Ham to win one-nil. In a very highly entertaining kick. game, I'm assuming. Um, trade spurt, your mob. We've got Everton at home against Middlesbrough um, also on the Saturday night uh, in the late game. Um, do you see yourselves continuing your strong start to the season? I mean, Middlesbrough have proved somewhat of a tricky opponent for some sides this season so far, but um, Everton obviously in some flying form. Um, yeah, I would expect us to win this game. Um, Middlesbrough started really well, to their credit, but they still are a team that was only just promoted this season. So I'd be confident in us being able to get a 1-2-0 goal victory here. Uh, Cookson, United travelled to Watford on uh, the Sunday night after your Europa game. Do you see the Europa game as any sort of factor in perhaps stunting your performance against Watford, or do you think Watford should be a pretty easy um, opponent to take down? I think the uh, Europa game wouldn't really harm us, because I don't think... Slatton's not going to play. I think both fullbacks are out, as well as various other players, so... I'm going to go United 3-0, Slatten hat-trick. Zlatan. Um, trade spurt, we've then got Palace at home to Stoke. Um, it's a pretty dour game from a, a neutral perspective. I suppose the only highlight could potentially be if Benteke can get firing, though we've got Wilfred Boney at the other end, who'll hopefully be getting a few goals for Stoke. Um it's a worry for Stoke that they've started so slowly to the season, and this is a sort of game they'd really be targeting for three points. So do you think they managed to get them? Uh, they will bloody want to. Mark Hughes will really want to. Um, St- I actually, on paper, Stoke do have quite a good squad, and Hughes had them playing good football last season. So I'm really surprised. Uh, they, they have had a tougher start to the year. But... Yeah, to be one point for four games is not a good look for them. So they'll be really, really go. They'll either be going out there desperate for a win, or they'll be that shot on confidence, and Palace will be able to snatch it. I think it'll be a draw. Both teams are playing pretty average football at the moment. I know Palace got a win last week, but yeah, I don't think before that they were playing overly good football. I'm going to go with a one-one draw. Cooks, and we've then got Southampton at home to Swansea, another two sides that have also struggled in their starts to the season. Southampton's new manager doesn't seem to have got them going quite as much as Ronald Koeman did when he came in. Um, do you see them getting up at home to Swansea, or do you think Swansea will be sort of invigorated from that draw with Chelsea? Uh, Swansea will be up and about for their game, but I'll go for Southampton. They'll probably win 2 0. Uh, and then to round off things, Tradespurt, we've got Spurs at home to Sunderland. Um, Spurs seem to be flying now. I mean, Kane 
has scored, which might get the duck off his back. Um, Son has looked great for them as well. Ericsson's kind of finding a bit of form as well. And and in contrast, Sunderland are just looking absolutely woeful. So this has all the signs of an absolute thrashing for Spurs. So what do you reckon for this one? When a match has all the signs of an absolute thrashing, they seem to be the games that David Moyes somehow gets a win. At least how that's how he used to work at Everton. So I am going to go with the shocker of the round and Sunderland to beat Tottenham 1-0. <laughs> as I was saying quote, that, and then quote as you me said on that, that yeah. quote me on that, but if we lose, we'll act like I've never said that and I was <laughs> mentally ill or something like that. I did, I did, I did sort of think maybe <sighs> Sunderland can get a 1-0 result. I mean, it, it's a flashback to the first round of the season when we were all saying that Hull were going to get thrashed by Leicester and then managed to pull out a 2-1 result. So it seems like whenever the odds and whenever the um, the signs seem to be pointing to an absolute thrashing or an absolute you know certainty of a result in one direction, it does seem to go the other way, um, at least sometimes. So that'll certainly be an interesting game to watch, and I'll certainly pull you up on that if Sunderland do get that win. Um, <laughs> and then I'll... Yeah, and I'll pretend it didn't, you didn't say that if, if Spurs do come out with a 5-0 win in that one. But um, thank you both for coming on. We've uh, kind of got through the reviews, the Champions League, the previews. There's been quite a bit of stuff to talk about this week. So thank you, Tradesport. You're welcome, matey. Thanks, fellas. And thank you, Cookson. Seriously, one Matt is bringing out a book on poetry. <laughs> is he actually? Yes. I thought you were joking about that. I thought you were just trolling. Yeah. Are you actually dead set? Serious? No, <laughs> we'll have to, we'll have to, we'll have to um, get some sort of commission from him for that, though, because we're sort of promoting it on here. But uh, any United supporter, any non-United supporter, go out and buy One Matters book on poetry. And uh, if you do, mention to him that you heard about it on here, and see if he can send <laughs> some of the uh, proceeds our way. But um, yeah, thank you. There's our what? thread title for the week. Yeah, I think that's it. I think we've solved it. <laughs> so thank you both for coming on and, and thank you everyone for listening in. And until next week, we'll see you on the forums.